This is a countdown. This is a podcast countdown. A podcast countdown of the top 35 prospects in the Cardinal system. We call it the Dirty 35. It's brought to you by Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. This is a song about prospects and counting down and bad writing. And wow, are you in for a treat other than just this song. Countdown! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another round of our podcasts recapping the midseason Dirty 35. I am your host. I am Kyle Reese for Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. Uh, If you haven't already, please go back and listen to the other three podcasts we've done. Uh, That's over Prospects 35 through 29, then 28 through 22, and then 21 through 15. Uh, This little group here, this 14 through 8, is a somewhat interesting group. Might as well go ahead and name them off for you. Prospect number 14 is utility infielder Edmundo Sosa. Prospect number 13 is catcher Ivan Herrera. Prospect number 12 is right-handed pitcher Griffin Roberts. Prospect number 11 is right-handed pitcher Jake Woodford. Prospect number 10 is left-handed pitcher Henesis Cabrera. Prospect number nine is left-handed pitcher Zach Thompson. And prospect number eight is outfielder Lane Thomas. Prospect number 14 on our list, utility infielder Edmundo Sosa. It's simple. I say it in his write-up. The beautiful thing about Edmundo Sosa at this point, for someone like me who has to evaluate 250-plus players, is that he is exactly what he is. That's a very, very slick fielding, solid fielding infielder at second, third, and short. And he's also the type of hitter that's going to hit 235 to 255, 265. Supply, surprise, pop. Uh, His swing is kind of tailor-made for, first off, going down and getting the pitch low in the zone, but also taking that pitch to the opposite field with power. He also has pull power, of course, but not as much. The ball doesn't jump off of his bat the same way. Uh, He just has a really smooth little swing. Could end up being a very good... In the article, I say taxi squad guy, and what I mean by that is, you know, going up and down, moving up and down from Memphis to St. Louis. If situations were a little different, if the Cardinals didn't have a bunch of other utility infielders, uh, he's just a really solid player, and he's there isn't a whole lot to, like, overthink or look into with him. And I love that. I appreciate that, and I appreciate it a great deal. Now, our number 22nd prospect on the list was Ramon Urias. And, you know, in that article, I wrote something along the lines of, and I said it during the podcast too, that if things were different, like, Orius would probably be the one pushing Tommy Edmond in the utility role, or that Orius could eventually be that role, you know, as I bring up that role that Tommy Edmond currently has. And, you know, I kind of gloss over Edmundo Sosa, and I just wanted to say that when you compare Orius to Sosa, what moves Sosa up the list... Although his stats might not be as impressive, the power isn't as loud. Uh, why Sosa is so far ahead of Urias is he's just a better all-around player. He's a better defender, a stronger arm, better runner, I would say. Uh, again, and sure, Urias has the chance to hit for a higher batting average and a higher on-base percentage and definitely, definitely more power. But Sosa's skills are defined. They're more him. They're more recognizable. 
and they're more translatable. So yes, Aureus has a higher ceiling than Sosa does at this point. Uh, he's also older than Sosa by a couple of years. Uh, but I just really like Edmundo Sosa and the fact that I can bank on him and we can all bank on him to be a very, very solid taxi squad utility infielder. You know, Edmundo's been on these lists forever now. I, th- I think he was signed in 2012, which is crazy to think about. I mean, that seems like a lifetime ago. And he stuck around and ebbed and flowed and peaked and valleyed. And now here he is. Uh, already have made a major league debut. Probably a somewhat okay trade chip for a team uh, that needs a slick fielding utility infielder. And it's going to be interesting to see what the next step is for Edmundo Sosa. Prospect number 13. Maybe the most intriguing prospect on the entire list. Catcher Ivan Herrera. Now, uh, again, 19 years old. Started the year as an 18-year-old. The first two months in Peoria were as an 18-year-old. And he was amazing for those first two months. Uh, batting average around three, uh, th- uh, 280. On base percentage around 280. Supplying pop. Uh, catching pretty well. You know, when I ask about him uh, with my Peoria people, they say that he looks okay. Uh, everything needs a little bit of work, as you would expect from someone of that age at that level. Uh, but he's done more than hold his own uh, in the Midwest League at a full season affiliate. Like, that's a ton to ask. It's a lot to ask. And he's doing really well. Now, we are starting to see signs of fatigue. Uh, the fatigue is coming, and it's it's definitely, definitely showing. Now, that's not to, like, hate on him or anything. It's not, uh, you know, it's obviously not even that in-depth of a conversation. It's not in-depth of an um, observation. But... It'd be nice to see him get a little bit more rest. He plays pretty well, uh, you know, like 65% of the time. And in the article, I say he's playing more earlier. And what I'm getting at there is, you know, this is his first round with the full season affiliate. And that means you start the actual season starts in April uh, instead of like starting in June, which is when the short season clubs start. So what I'm trying to say is that, sure, he, he's practiced in April and May and June. Uh, but not like this, not like this, not competitively. That changes the entire, the entire conversation. Uh, in the article, you'll see two of his home runs. You'll see that beautiful little swing. Uh, again, I think that there's merit to thinking that he's a lot like what a 19 year old full-time catching Andrew Kisner would have looked like. They have a similar kind of profile. Now, Herrera doesn't put it into the right field gap as often as Andrew Kisner does. Uh, it, He's he more of like a when he puts it into the right field, he, he kind of like cues it over there more than driving it. He does have power to the gap. Uh, that thing will manifest in time. He's just a really solid prospect. You know, while we were all gushing over Nolan Gorman in April, why we continue to hang our hats on Nolan Gorman. Uh, there's another kid that 19 that was 18 at the start of the Peoria season that's been there since the get go. That has really, really done well and really, really handled his own. Now, in the article, he mentioned that he only has like 13 extra base hits. Uh, Of course, the more extra base hits, the happier we all are. No doubt about that. But uh, remember, this isn't the kind of kid who's going to turn a single into a double. Uh, He's not very fast. You know, getting back to what he does as a catcher, a lot of people complain that he's not fast going side to side or getting in the dirt. Uh, he seems fine. Again, I'm terrible at evaluating catchers. Uh, I, I'm sorry about that. So that's that's kind of Avon Herrera, you know, in a nutshell. Uh, I, 
I wish I was smarter when it came to evaluating catchers. I wish I could give you a little bit more of a rundown. His arm seems strong. He gets out of his crouch uh, quickly. Again, framing stuff to tell because when you're watching Peoria, you know, the home games are from behind home plate and you can't really tell what's going on with the catcher. Uh, that's a bummer. But he's, look, the bat is going to play. It's going to play at every level. Uh, think about it this way. It's more advanced than what Dylan Carlson was doing at the same age, at the same level. That's, uh, you know, he doesn't have the high ceiling that that uh, Carlson has. Uh, but he also is a catcher, so you don't necessarily have to have the high ceiling that Carlson has. But Herrera is just a very, very good player and a great prospect. And definitely the type of prospect that every organization like strives to have. Uh, Avon Herrera is a valuable, valuable trade piece if the Cardinals decide to trade him. But he's also a valuable piece to keep within the organization, depending on what happens with Yachty and how long he sticks around and what happens with Andrew Kisner. Uh, and now here we are with Avon Herrera as the next catcher in line. So that's prospect number 13. Avon Herrera. Prospect number 12 is Griffin Roberts. Uh, by this point, I'm sure you know that he was suspended for the first 50 games for uh, what he called cannabis use. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know who the minor, how the minor league drug policy works, uh, major league players aren't subjected to the, uh, the testing. Uh, they can get as high as they want, but minor league players are not held to the same standards as major league players. So what happens is if you have two positive tests for marijuana or cannabis or pot or whatever, uh, for any substance that's illegal or banned, uh, then you get suspended for 50 games. So that means that he came up twice uh, with the uh, the cloudy urine, and because of that, he got suspended for 50 games. Now, he's only made a little over a handful of starts for Palm Beach since coming off of the restricted list, the suspension list. And uh, look, it, it's been a mixed bag. The one thing that's for sure is he struggled in the first inning. Uh, really, really struggles with his command of all of his pitches. His slider's kind of like a reflex to him. He, he does a pretty good job of throwing that pretty regularly. But he's, uh, he's missing a lot outside. And when he's not missing outside, he's leaving meat in the middle of the plate. Uh, he usually settles down. Usually the next you know, the rest of the first time through the lineup, the second time through the lineup, he blows through it. But as you might suspect for a guy who throws what is probably, what is the best pitch in the organization in his slider, uh, that isn't fastball related, of course. Uh, and a really, really solid fastball, uh, you might expect that by the t- third time through, through a rotation in the Florida State League, he's throwing his changeup and uh, it's just not there yet. Like, his changeup needs a lot of work. His command needs a lot of work. Um, I guess the other thing about Griffin Roberts before we get too far in it, and I just said it, but his slider is so good. It's so good and it's so much fun to watch. And when you're listening to the Palm Beach broadcast or the the opposition of the Palm Beach broadcast, it's so fun to hear their reaction to it because, you know, they recognize how good of a pitch it is. They also recognize how good of a pitch that fastball is when he's commanding it. Uh, in the article, I mentioned that Griffin Roberts has kind of had this thing where he has a good start and then, uh, well, we won't call it a good, a, an acceptable start and then a bad start, an acceptable start and then a bad start, and then an acceptable start and then a bad start. I don't know what that's about. Uh, it seems to coincide with a lot of walks and uh, a lot of hits. Who would have thought, right? But if you're not walking hitters and you're not uh, uh, letting up hits, you're usually pretty successful. Uh, All of that is just to say that, you know, Griffin Roberts has been throwing at the extended spring training site there at uh, Roger Dean Stadium. He shouldn't be as what appears to be unprepared for these starts. This isn't spring training for him exactly. Uh, But uh, he's had kind of a spring training-esque performances. 
So I'm still bullish on Griffin Roberts. I think there's a lot of concerns that have been raised this season uh, leading in from the offseason. A lot of concerns that have been raised that we're going to have to hope that he can figure out. Too good of a pitcher to be struggling the way that he is, uh, even at Palm Beach, even at that advanced assignment. I fully believe that he will get it together. Anxious to see what it looks like when he does. Prospect number 11 on the list is right-handed pitcher Jake Woodford. Now, uh, last night, as I record this on July 11th, uh, on July the 10th, Jake Woodford started the AAA All-Star Game for the Memphis Redbirds in the Pacific Coast League's division. Uh, look, Jake Woodford earlier in the year was striking out a bunch of guys, not letting up a lot of hits, and the Cardinals' starting pitching was looking really bad, and we all thought, hey, let's have Jake Woodford be the starter. Add him to the 40-man. Let's make it happen. I still think there's a potential that that happens, but I also think we're starting to see some of the cracks in the armor, uh, and not in a bad way. Look, Jake Woodford's come a long way. He went from being a pitcher who didn't strike out a lot of guys to striking out an acceptable amount here in 2019. He's refined his breaking pitch to make his breaking pitch a legitimate threat, especially the way he uses it with his fastball. His changeup, he's using more and more, and it's more and more impressive. Getting back to the fastball, one thing about him that we were always concerned about was not concerned about, but was fastball velocity. Like, it was a worry because it would be 90, 91. Sometimes it would dip to 89 in the start. It'd live in that 90 to 92 range. So far this season, he's done a really good job of keeping it right where it needs to be, right in that 92 to 95, adding velocity, uh, adding sharpness to the pitch. Uh, he's suppressing hits at a degree he's never suppressed hits fewer home runs allowed. Uh, Jake Woodford's 22 years old, I believe, and he's taken that next step in his development. It's been really encouraging, really promising. Uh, the one thing uh, the one thing that is a concern about him is that he's walking more uh, hitters. It doesn't seem like this is a command issue per se as much as it is an attacking issue. Uh, I feel like he's living on the corners of the strike zone. I feel like he's trying really hard to get people to chase his stuff instead of trusting it and seeing what happens. Uh, again, this just feels like a normal adjustment to me from someone who uh, you know is trying to figure out the best way to be the best pitcher that he's capable of being. Uh, look, Jake Ward, he's a big boy who uses his entire body to throw. I like that a lot. Uh, that's an important consideration. Uh, I, I don't see him having like arm problems again. Uh, there are some, you know, concerning traits that the pain guy would freak out about, but it's nothing that I'm super worried about. Uh, he uses enough of his body that it doesn't seem like there's a huge strain on that arm. Uh, you know, I guess that conversation worth having here is the number 10 prospect on the Dirty 35 is Henesis Cabrera, left-handed pitcher. You guys know Henesis because Henesis made a major league debut, got the start before Woodford did, and some people were pretty upset about that. Uh, look, the reason I go Henesis Cabrera 10 and Jake Woodford 11 is while Woodford's stuff has gotten better, it's not electric. There are few pitchers in the organization that have truly electric stuff the way that Henesis Cabrera does. Uh, you know, uh, the command, Woodford's a better pitcher than Cabrera is. Woodford's substantially better pitcher than Cabrera is. But Cabrera just his stuff is so good and so raw that he doesn't need to have amazing command to be effective. You know, he's, he's going to have to get average command, which is where it isn't right now. Uh, but with Cabrera, and again, I'm just going to combine Woodford and Cabrera here. Uh, I apologize for that if it gets confusing. 
wait until you see what kind of nonsense I say here uh, as I get confused trying to talk through it. Hold on, I need coffee. It's 5.10 in the morning. Oh my God, I'm so tired. Um, So with Cabrera, you know, he's got the electric fastball. High 90s. We saw the Phillies in particular really struggle with it. Uh, he, he, there were moments when he was dominating Philadelphia. There were also moments when he was not dominating Philadelphia that was bad. But you saw there that his fastball is so good that it rides heavy and hard up and in on right-handed hitters. They think it's coming right at him and it's a strike over the middle of the plate. We also saw the changeup flash. Like, 88, 86 mile an hour changeup that he can locate low in the zone. That's really effective. That's a really great pitch. Uh, you also saw how good his curveball can be and how bad it can be at times. He overthrows it. Uh, what, what you see with Hennessy is he's a very, very fast worker. So is Jake Woodford, by the way. They're both fast workers. Uh, two pitchers who do two different things. And what I decided to pick was the guy. The reason Hennessy Cabrera is higher than Jake Woodford is that I just like the raw stuff. Uh, Woodford's stuff has gotten quite a bit better, but Cabrera has something that a lot of other people don't have, and that's just an electric arm. Like, it's it's that stuff. The stuff is there, and that's what's really, really amazing. Uh, sometimes Henesis works so fast that he throws his mechanics off. Sometimes he doesn't repeat his delivery. We know that there's a tipping issue because we know that there's a tipping issue. They wrote articles about it, and it was talked about immediately after one of his starts. Look, I understand that people hate Henesis Cabrera because he was traded for Tommy Pham. Uh, the thing I would ask you is just to keep in mind that it wasn't his decision to be traded. So let's not hold it against him just yet, you know, like, or ever for that matter. And, and the other thing I say in the article, and I think if you haven't read the article and you're reading this, it's important to, to remember is, you know, Cardinals had to a- add him to the 40 man. And when we entered the offseason, it didn't seem like that would pay dividends this coming season until like this season until September when the Cardinals, uh, you know, expanded the roster or when the Cardinals might need a lefty reliever. What happened was his timetable was sped up because he had an amazing Mexican league performance and the organization flipped out about it. And then the papers flipped out about it. And then we, as fans flipped out about it and got excited and maybe threw some unreal expectations on the type of pitcher that Henesis Cabrera could be this Season now. This also gives us a chance to to segue into something as we go from segue to segue here. Uh, that I'm always trying to tell people, and if you're listening to this, it's important that you take away that the Mexican Winter League is a great league. It's fun. It's tough. Those environments are fun and loud. But you know, it's not Double A. It, it's not Triple A. It's not the major leagues. It's somewhere between Double A AA and Triple A, leaning Triple A talent wise. So. It was just like saying he had a really good transition year between Double A and Triple A when with his success in in the Mexican Winter League. Uh, but that's Jake Woodford prospect number eleven and Henesis Cabrera prospect number ten. Two Triple A pitchers, one who's pitched in the major leagues in Henesis Cabrera, one that's on the cusp in Jake Woodford. If you had to guess, Jake Woodford is a long term starter at the back end of a bullpen, not as talented with as raw of stuff as Dakota Hudson is. Uh, just a step below that, so like a fourth or fifth starter. And Henderson Cabrera more than likely is going to be a multi-inning reliever type in his career unless he can get his command to like the average part because right now it's below average. And one more thing about Henderson Cabrera. Uh, Jake Woodford's command is already average, leaning above average. He just needs to trust his stuff and uh, uh, attack hitters a little bit more. Well, one more thing about Henderson Cabrera. Look, I... He came up here and his command was shoddy. Uh, it's been that way at AAA pretty frequently. 
But when you go back and watch his starts and while he was a member of Tampa's organization, his command is not as shoddy as it was then. He's made tremendous strides. I would say that when the Cardinals acquired him, his command was... I don't want to say well below average, but it was below average. Now it's just slightly below average command. So all he has to do is get it up to average, and we're talking about a very, very valuable major league asset. And that is prospect number 10, Henesis Cabrera, and prospect number 11, Jake Woodford. That rolls us into prospect number 9, first-round draft pick from the 2019 draft, left-hander Zach Thompson. Uh, Zach Thompson is from Kentucky. Uh, On draft night, I tweeted out that Thompson was a good pick, but I would have rather had the Cardinals draft either George Kirby from Elon or Brendan Malone from IMG Academy of High School. The reason I said this, twofold, one, I just like George Kirby better. I like Malone better. I think that their likeliness to have a sustainable major league career is higher than that of Thompson. But also because Thompson has a little bit of a history of arm trouble. Uh, Out of high school, he had, I believe, an MRI on his... He's had a shoulder issue and an an elbow issue. And uh, at two different times, one time last year, one time when he was uh, graduating high school. I I don't remember what the order was. I apologize for that. But he got himself together. He had an amazing 2019 season. He struck out like 100 and... 60 and 100 innings or something crazy like that. One of the maybe the best pitcher in college baseball, top 5 pitcher in college baseball, easy. Uh it's just those injury those injuries really really concern me. Now, he has an amazing curveball. Uh probably enters the organization as a top 3 curveball within the organization. He throws a changeup uh and a slider that both need work and his fastball while not exactly high velocity, while now not exactly one of the, like the most amazing pitches you're going to find. It's not that like well above average tier. It's not a plus plus pitch. It has the potential to be a well above average, potentially plus pitch because he does such a good job of locating the pitch and throwing it well. Uh, everywhere you read when they talk about his curveball, they'll talk about it as a high spin curveball, almost 3,000 RPMs. That's huge. That's big. That's impressive. It has so much movement on it, and it's late, and it mirrors, you know, the first, its flight path. You know, when you're talking about uh, as Estio Cabajo likes to bring out, uh, 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 now I can't think of what it's called. Uh, but anyways, we're everything's coming out of the same spot, and uh, he's sequencing it really well with the fastball. Like things work really, really well together. His fastball and his curve work really, really well together. Slider and changeup still need work. Uh, command is really good. The reason that he goes ahead of Henesis Cabrera on this list uh, and Jake Woodford is his stuff is probably better than Woodford's. His command isn't there, but his command is better than Henesis's, uh, and his stuff might not be as electric as Hen- electric as Henesis's is. Uh, he kind of is a, a a conglomeration, a combination of Woodford and Henesis. So that's why I kind of put him ahead. He's kind of the best of both worlds there. Now, one of the things I definitely highlight in the article, maybe the most important thing to take from the article, is, you know, this is a prospect with a history of arm issues. Now, again, he got it all cleaned up. He got his body cleaned up. Uh, He looked amazing, held velocity throughout his start. Velocity is in the mid-90s. He did... What I'm getting at as I stumble through it, I don't know why I'm trying so hard to... Uh, pick the right words here. I'm sorry about that. 
Uh, what I'm trying to say more than anything is there's no reason to slow this kid's timetable down. Uh, I have enough concerns with his injury history uh, and some, you know, some other things that the Cardinals should be as aggressive with him as they've ever been with a prospect. Now, if he's struggling, don't keep pushing him. Don't keep pushing him. That's stupid. But he comes from Kentucky, uh, which plays in the SEC, the best college baseball conference uh, in the world. Uh, there's no reason to take it slow with him. If he's up for the Palm Beach uh, promotion, get him to Palm Beach. If he's next year, if he looks like he's ready to start at Memphis, get him at Memphis. He should be on the most accelerated program that his own personal development allows. He has a primary pitch and a secondary pitch. That's Waka-esque. You know, Waka's changeup was the best pitch in that draft. Uh, uh, Thompson's curveball is right along those lines as well. It, it's just an amazing pitch, and the fastball pairs well, and he's got enough in the chi- the slider and the change to maybe make it work. This isn't a kid who needs years and years of help at the minor leagues to reach his ceiling. He's going to get to the majors. He should get to their quick. He should get to the majors quick uh, because he can help the major league team, and also because he doesn't need all that seasoning. Uh, he he doesn't have a command issue, even like Dakota Hudson had when Hudson entered the uh, the organization. He should be on an accelerated timetable now. Uh, again, where your mind will go is a lefty who could pitch, who should be on an accelerated timetable. Let's get him to the majors here in 2019. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, he is taxed. He's coming off of a very, very tough collegiate season, a career high in innings, uh, a year after he hardly pitched any because of arm issues. A lot of times in collegiate baseball, the last, the part of the season is the most taxing. You get in a conference play. You're talking about pitching additional, going 130 pitches in a start. And I believe he did that. I think he had 139 uh, pitch total start. I don't remember for sure. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but he went up there in pitch totals uh, in, in starts. So to have him come into the major leagues right now would be the dumbest thing ever. You know, you probably wouldn't use him the way that he should be used. And also, let him get to, and remember the minor league season ends at the end of August. So let him get a month, two months out of a bullpen somewhere, you know, pitch 20 innings at the most and, uh, orient to the major minor league amateur to professional, uh, lifestyle and then figure it out from there. Next year, he's going to come to spring training and if he's healthy, he's going to impress everyone. I have no doubt about that. He's just a really, really impressive kid. His ceiling separates him from George Kirby. His ceiling is higher than George Kirby's. Uh, and if he comes close to reaching it, you're talking about a number two type pitcher. You know, uh, uh, Jaime with command. Not as much life on his fastball, but a better a better curveball. Like, he's that. he has the potential to be that kind of pitcher. Uh, only time will tell. Only time will tell. Uh, but... He's going to be impressive. He should get to the major leagues as soon as possible, as soon as his own production allows for, uh, his own uh, uh, prospect timeline allows for, as as his own progression as a prospect allows for. That's prospect number nine, left-handed pitcher out of the University of Kentucky, 19th overall pick in the 2019 draft, Zach Thompson. Uh, we'll conclude the list with prospect number eight, a gentleman who's on the Cardinals 40 man roster and has gone, uh, up and down between Memphis and St. Louis this year. That's outfielder Lane Thomas. Uh, you know, I guess I get a little aggressive sometimes with certain players and I open the write up of Lane Thomas talking about how I think the Cardinals would be smart 
to shop Harrison Bader with the idea that Lane Thomas could pretty well perform to the same level as Harrison Bader. Of course, he's not that level of an outfielder. He's just a kick below. Harrison Bader is an elite-type outfielder. Uh, But he's a very, very good outfielder with a better all-around game than Harrison Bader, uh, even right now at this very moment. Uh, You know, it's tough splitting hairs. I just assume that some team out there would overpay for Harrison Bader's defense, and I think the Cardinals would do really well, especially with other outfield options on the cusp. To, uh, to pursue something like that. Of course, it could turn out to be a Tommy Pham situation where it would be a disaster. Uh, you just never really know. What does Lane Thomas do really well? Well, he works a count really well. He's very, very calm in the batter's box. He has a short, compact swing. Never gets, with, uh, never gets outside of himself. He's an athlete. He's a great base runner, a really solid fielder. He has a really, really great arm. Again, the arm is just a kick below where Harrison Bader is. is. Uh, he's a talented young man. You know, last year he boomed at double-A. Uh, this year he struggled at Memphis. We talk about that in the write-up. That's worth a read. Uh, we've seen some really positive things out of his time in St. Louis while he's been here, and he's barely been used. Uh, it seems, too, like every time he gets brought up to the majors, he sits on the bench for over a week, right as he's starting to get fired up at Memphis. doesn't really give him a chance to get any momentum one way or the other. Uh, it's kind of a bummer. The other thing about Lane Thomas is he is an all-out athlete. Uh, part of the reason we all love Harrison Bader is because he is always going all-out. Uh, he doesn't have the personality of Harrison Bader. I know that some people get fired up about Harrison Bader's swagger. It doesn't bug me one bit, but I also don't care about things that don't matter. So I just kind of blow by the swagger with Harrison Bader. Some people it matters to. Uh, think of Lane Thomas as Harrison Bader without the swagger. Uh, what else do I want to say about Lane Thomas? Uh, uh, other than that, those are my rave reviews. You, you know, the concern with with Lane Thomas is confidence. You know, sometimes he's just not a confident hitter. Sometimes he's just not a confident baseball player. And you can actually see it. Like, he doesn't take full swings at the ball. Part of the reason that the power manifested in 2018 at AA and then at AAA a little bit was because he was fully swinging at baseballs. There's this thing that happens with him where when his confidence is down, he's taking checks, he's like check swinging at everything. He's not swinging all the way through a pitch. Uh, like with my little leaguers, when they're not hitting with authority, it's because they're just hitting to make contact. And Thomas has a good, powerful swing, a good quick swing. And what ends up hurting him is that sometimes he sh- like he slows down his swing to make contact instead of swinging through the ball. That's something he needs to be better at and more consistent at, and he was better and consistent with last year. It just needs to translate into 2019. Again, I, I believe that this is a, a, a getting-going issue. I believe it's a confidence issue a little bit. You look at his stats and you say, oh, he's having a down year, but it's a pretty solid down year. Another concern with Lane Thomas about this season is his strikeout rate. He has his strikeout rate back up to 27%. That's a concern. Uh, Those are Toronto, uh, those are his numbers in Toronto's organization, not his numbers in the Cardinals organization. He's a guy who's going to strike out. Again, he's probably going to strike out as much as Harrison Bader. He's probably a 22 to 27 strikeout guy. It just, he's going to make more contact, if that makes any sense. Uh, than Bader will. He's going to get on base more than Bader will. Maybe supply a little bit of power. Uh, I know that we've heard Jim Edmonds talk about Harrison Bader being a 30 home run guy, which is nuts to me. But I guess if Harrison Bader were to completely sell out, he might have 30 home runs in there. Uh, The same thing could probably be said about Lane Thomas. I just think Lane Thomas is a more technically sound player uh, that doesn't necessarily get with 
get outside of himself very often. Uh, he keeps it short, keeps it simple, and when he's confident, he's the kind of player who will go on a streak. You know who Lane Thomas reminds me of? He reminds me of Reggie Sanders. That's who Lane Thomas reminds me of. It just hit me right now as I'm driving back into the shed for work, uh, our district, our, our yard at work. Uh, he's that kind of player. Like, again, he's not going to stick around in the league for 20 years. That's crazy. You know, that's the 1% of major leaguers. Uh, but he's like that kind of player, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, athletic, really good outfielder, probably better off in a right field, Could, but he can play center. He can play a very, very good center. Uh, in my mind, that's like Lane Thomas's peak. He has those skills. He's fast. We see him go home to first, uh, uh, you know, lightning quick. We see him go first to third lightning quick. We see him go home light, uh, home to third lightning quick. He's got a little stolen base ability. doesn't get great jumps, so that kind of hurts him. And the gif in the article, he, he beats out an infield single, and he gets to first faster than the second baseman who shifted towards second uh, can get to the baseball. It's lightly hit, but it's, it's a foot race, and it's really interesting. You'll see in that gif that it takes him maybe 10 feet to really get going, and then 10, 20 feet to really get going, and then the last 70 feet down the line, he fucking books it. Uh, Pardon my language, as I watch a deer just run across Manchester and almost destroy everything. Uh, Yeah, pardon my language. I was trying really hard not to curse during all this, other than to say damn. Uh, But anyways, I'm unprofessional, and thank you for being a part of this journey. That's Lane Thomas. That's the type of player he is. I'd like to see him get more reps if he's going to get caught up to St. Louis. Bringing him up here to sit on the bench, take five at-bats, and 10-day span is the dumbest thing that they could possibly do. They've got plenty of guys for that role. Uh, but hopefully he gets his major league chance. Uh, tomorrow's number seven prospect I'm really anxious to talk about. Uh, and we'll do some comparison between... Comparis- comparing? Comparison. Uh, comparing between Arizona... Uh, God, I let it slip. I'm all distracted. That deer got me all messed up, family. Uh, anyways, tomorrow, our prospect number seven, a little tease. Uh, we'll do some comparing between Randy Rosarena, Harrison Bader, and Lane Thomas. But that's prospect number eight, outfielder Lane Thomas. Uh, I feel like you guys would fall in love with him if you got to see more of him. Uh, hopefully, he regains his 2018 stature and, um, and ends up applying that to a 2019 run with the St. Louis Cardinals eventually. Uh, And that is our countdown uh, for prospects 8 through 14 in the Cardinals organization, the Dirty 35. Come back tomorrow. We'll have 1 through 7. It's a fun list. Really like those guys. These are the guys who you can almost uh, pencil in for major league contribution without a doubt, and two of them already have. Uh, For everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, if you are listening to this, you are part of the resistance. Uh, And as always, family, happy hunting.